Hey everyone, and welcome back to the show. Jessica Stevens here, your host of I Just Blank Now What the Podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining us for another Now What Wednesday. As you know, it's my favorite day of the week because we drop new episodes every single Wednesday for all of you to take in and learn some amazing lessons from our guests who have had life come at them and they had to figure out what to do next. And today's story is no different. We are, have a great show today. And it is all about burnout. Yes, this is something that I am familiar with. And I'm sure many of you are also familiar with in some capacity, whether it is like full on burnout, where you literally just had to walk away from whatever it was you're doing and change career paths and do something different like me. Or it was, you know, burnout-ish, where you just really needed to take a big break. Or maybe you're experiencing that right now. Or Maybe you don't even know if you're, what you're feeling is burnout or just fatigue or whatnot. So today we're going to unpack this whole feeling of feeling burnt the F out and tackle that as a conversation. So my lovely guest, Ahuva, is going to be sharing her story of feeling burnt out. She's a mom of twins and a professional, and so she was definitely feeling it. And um, when she was feeling burnt out, she's like, well... I think if I am, other people likely are too. So let's learn about Huva. She is a Toronto-based anti-diet dietitian and a burnout coach for professional women. In her one-to-one group coaching and corporate partnership, she, she supports professional women and the organizations they support in stepping out of the working mom hustle culture that leads to so many women to burn out so that they can start enjoying their days again and making their goals of reality without losing themselves or compromising on their professional aspirations in the process. As a working mother who supports professional women, Ahuva is well-versed in the specific and unique challenges professional women experience in advancing their careers while navigating their personal responsibilities, specifically in a post-pandemic virtual world. She supports clients one-on-one and in her group program, the unapologetic living code to step out of perfectionism, people-pleasing, and socialization that have held women back so that they can create a life they enjoy living without compromising on their personal and professional goals. So without further ado, let's get to the now what. Have you ever had a situation happen in your life that you weren't expecting, good or bad, and said to yourself or out loud, Oh my gosh, I just fill in the blank. Now what? Me too, friend. Me too. I've had quite a few actually. And in the moment, I never knew what I was going to do next. Of course, I had to figure it out. Sometimes the hard way, but I did figure it out. So join me and some amazing guests this season as we all share our own I just blank now what stories so we can all learn from their transformational lessons to help us all answer that lifelong and often paralyzing question, now what? Hey friends, we've all heard the little festive phrase, it's the most wonderful time of the year. But for many, the holidays are the most everything else. The most stressful, the most depleting, the most compromising, the most joyless time of the year. Is that you? Are you thinking, I just feel like a Grinch? Now what? 
Well, what if I told you that this year you could have a happy-ish holiday season without secretly feeling like the Grinch wanting to cancel the holidays altogether? Well, you'll want to get the EFT tapping for happy-ish holidays with Jackie Acri. It's 10 days of 10 minutes, easy to follow EFT tapping sessions to make sure while you're meeting everyone else's needs, your needs don't get missed this holiday season. What's tapping, you ask? Well, it's a science-backed stress management tool that I have personally been using and loving. Since I started tapping with Jackie, I've noticed feeling way less stressed and mentally exhausted from all the things. When you sign up for 10 days to happy-ish holidays, you'll instantly get access to the day one guided tapping session with the other nine days being delivered to you as you go. This isn't another thing you need to add to your already way too long to-do list. All you need is 10 minutes and your fingertips. Jackie will take care of the rest. Trust me, it's the gift to yourself that you will absolutely love. Because tapping sends a calming signal to your stressed out brain, you'll notice how much less emotionally reactive you are, less caught up in all the holiday drama that doesn't actually matter to you, and way more connected to yourself and the people you actually care about. Head to JackieAcrete.com backslash happyish holidays and use promo code NOWWHAT to get $80 off, which is over 60% savings. On for Black Friday, now until November 30th only. That's JackieAcri.com backslash happyish holidays. J-A-C-Q-U-I-A-C-R-R-E.com and use promo code now what to get $80 off. See the link in the show notes for easy access. And give yourself the gift of tapping so you can enjoy happyish holidays this year. Well, hello, hello to the lovely Hoopa. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you for having me today. I'm so excited for our conversation, especially because you are somebody whom I actually have never met in person. We found each other through the magical world of the internet mm-hmm. and 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 got connected. Like there isn't actually anyone who we know in common. So we don't even have like a mutual Which is funny because like we're not even so far apart. Like yeah. you would think that our worlds would have overlapped. But I'm sure once we like get to know each other better, we'll be like, oh, I know that person. You know that yeah. person. We'll find our connections for sure. But I love the fact that uh, you reached out to me and you're like, I want to be on the show. And I'm like, okay, let's chat. So <laughs> those are like the most wonderful, like roundabout ways when you make new friends um, in on the, the wonderful world of the interwebs. Totally. Totally. Okay. So obviously I just read your wonderful bio to everybody, but I always love guests to tell our audience a little bit about themselves in their own words. Like what is something that you actually want people to know about you? Oh my God. I mean, I feel like my entire life on the internet is like TMI and I tell everyone everything about me. So I'm like, I don't know. What do I, everything I guess? I like to think of myself like a mom with a message. I'm like, that's who I am. I just like stand on a little soapbox and, you know, talk about burnout and talk about how to figure out uh, your way in the world. So that's, that's really all you need to know about me. Pretty straightforward and a nice segue into exactly what we're talking about today, which <laughs> is I just feel burnt out. Now what? And you're going to take us back to before, you know, not necessarily in a previous life, but rewinding the tape a little bit when, you know, things, there was a lot going on in your world and you were starting to feel the flame. 
the heats rising within and realizing that you were on a road to burnout. So yeah, let's just like jump straight in, rewind the tape, take us back to, you know, where you were in the past, what was, what you were doing, what was going on and, and, and your story. Totally. So yeah, my experience with burnout, burnout was really, you know, similar to like a lot of, of what I hear from my clients. Um, I, by training and by licensure, I'm a registered dietitian, uh, started a pediatric nutrition practice at the end of 2019. Um, and we all, you know, I can feel like everyone already is like, I don't know what's going oh. on. Um, and also decided that we were probably going to try and have our third child at the beginning of 2020. And, you know, I assumed that like with my first kids, it would take me a while. I'd probably have a year to get pregnant and then nine months to, you know, to, until I had the baby, I'd have a really nice long time until, you know, to work on building up my nutrition practice, get things to a place that I wanted it to be. And, you know, lo and behold, I discovered that I was pregnant the first month that we, you know, started trying and the world shut down for COVID. So I took a pregnancy test on Sunday after schools got canceled on Friday. How old were the twins at the time? Three and a half. Okay. So my first question is, is. Sorry, they just turned three. Yeah. They, yeah. So they were three. You volu- You actually wanted to go back and have another child after having twins. So if it's funny, if you ask my husband for the first like two and a half years of my twins lives, I would like every single day, he'd be like, Hey, how do you like, good morning. And it'd be like, I'm never having another baby. And he'd be like, okay, great. Great. Like that's it. Okay. Sounds Thanks. good. Thanks. Um, Thanks for volunteering that information to me. <laughs> I was like, just that we're still on the same page. I'm still not there. And he was like, I don't need a check-in every hour on the hour. But yes, I decided to have another child. You know what? Everyone told me that like, as twins got old, older, you know, it's so hard in the beginning mm-hmm. having two babies. It just is. And everyone was like, as they get older and they're three, you know, they get to like three and four, like you sort of have like a built-in play date at 7 a.m. And I was like, you guys are crazy. Like, that's not a thing. And lo and behold, it was kind of like a thing. Like as they got to be three, it sort of got easier having the two of them together. Mm-hmm. But they could play together. They could just sort of like entertain each other. And yes, I was I was crazy enough to, to go for a third. Yes. Was that the plan like from all along? Like you knew you wanted to have like, you know, several children or when you got twins, were you like, oh, perfect, two and done? So I'm Orthodox Jewish. So like we tend to have larger families, I guess, than like the average population. Mm-hmm. Like if you, I'm, I'm like, all of a sudden my research brain is like going on. I'm like, if you probably stratified for, you know, people who are not Orthodox Jewish. So like I grew up from a family of four. My okay. husband is the oldest of six. Okay. So you guys so both come from big families. But it was somewhere like I was always planning on having more than two. More than two. Okay. So that was not like out of out of the, the stratosphere idea. And then you're like, okay, now they're old enough. They're functioning. They're potty trained. Let's let's yeah. go back and do it all again. Okay. So you find out you're pregnant very early on in the pandemic. And I was like, this is fine. It'll be okay. I can just condense what I thought that I was going to be able to do in two years into nine months. Like, it'll just be great. I just need to hustle through. Like, I can just push. It'll be fine. I ended up going back to work six days after having my son because I was like, I can't lose momentum in my business. So I always like say to people, you know, like, ask me how I burned out. It's really a question for all of us. And very quickly realized it was just not sustainable. Like, Mm -hmm. what I was doing is not sustainable because... I was just like going nonstop 
all the time trying to have, you know, four-year-old twins and an infant and trying to build my business and all of the things. Mm -hmm. And at the same time was talking to so many women specifically in my pediatric nutrition practice who were like, we're kind of asking about our kids' diets and also please for the love of God, just tell us that we're doing this right. And we're not screwing everything up because like, we're so afraid that we're screwing everything up. That was kind of the question that I kept on hearing coming up. Underlying question beneath the, Hey, am I feeding my kids the right things? And am I going to be okay? Totally. And as I was sort of asking myself that question, as I was, you know, building this business, being like, everyone else seems to know better than me. And am I screwing this whole thing up? And am I doing it wrong? And oh my God, I'm for sure doing it wrong. And, uh, you know, all those thoughts and hearing it sort of in different places and hearing how burnt out I was feeling while also hearing so many of my clients being like, and also we really wish we could care what you're talking about, but like, we're so up to our foreheads with things like we just can't take on something else. Right. And hearing this sort of like, it must just be me. I don't understand why it's just me. Everyone else seems to. I just can't, you know, fill in the blanks for all of those sentences. And all of a sudden something clicked for me that I was like, it can't just be me and her and her and her and her individually. Like there has to be something more going on here. And so I really have to take a step back in my own life and be like, is this how I want to be building my life? And if not, then what? And that's sort of how I ended up doing my own research, my own coaching, you know, looking into how so many women end up in burnout so that we can actually think about, you know, how to prevent that and show women a different way moving forward. All right. So lay some research on us. What did you find? So I like to think also that sometimes my husband's like, why do you know so many things about different things? I'm like, I just like knowing things. My superpower in life is being able to make connections where other people don't see connections. And so really, you know, pulling from other places where women are so strongly socialized, starting to understand what I call the three P's of burnout. So how women are socialized into perfectionism, people pleasing, and like absorbing pressure from society, families, and themselves is really one of the biggest reasons why so many women end up almost like in a moving car racing towards burnout. And they're like, I don't know, I'm sitting in the driver's seat, but there's so many other things that are propelling them forward that we all seem to just ignore. And we're also socialized to take personal responsibility, right? I achieving women specifically, we're like, I have control of everything. If I've ever wanted something, I've worked hard for it. So if something is happening, it must just be something that I'm doing, right? <laughs> Yes, that phrase of it's meant to be if it, you know, it's up to me kind exactly. of mentality, right? Yeah. And so what really happens is, you know, very often like women are again like socialized into this burnout. And then when when we see the burnout, we're trying to solve for individual problems, right? Like I just need to, it's sort of like that pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality, right? Like just get yourself out, just fix the problem. When we don't actually understand what we're up against, right? It's like the way that I describe it is like, if a baby's crying and they don't have words, there could be 7 million reasons why that's happening. The solution for the crying depends on what, what's actually underlying that issue, right? And so sometimes like the crying, we see women who are burning out and they're like, I don't know, maybe I need a manicure. Maybe I need a spa day. Maybe I need to wait until my kids are 17, right? They're like trying to find different solutions without actually understanding what the issue that we're solving for is. That's what you, that was bubbling up. That was what was popping up. That's what you were seeing across the board yeah. in your own personal life, as well as in the lives of your clients. Yeah. And then hearing, you know, so much of like, just take a day, 
just lower your standards or just, you know, maybe take a break from your job or maybe just take a spa day for yourself. Like all of these solutions that sounded really nice, but the people, myself included, the people that I was working with were like, but what if we don't want to leave our jobs? And what if we also don't want to just like lower our standards, whatever that means as a parent? Or Mm -hmm. what if I don't want to wait six years until someone's willing to watch my kids so I can go away for, you know, go away overnight and get a break, right? Mm -hmm. Like what if those typical things aren't going to work for me? And also what if that typical sort of, I always call it like, you know, the bro advice of like, just wake up at 4.30 in the morning, right? Just start your day at 3 a.m. Just time hack like the heck out of your day. Those things also don't really take into consideration some of the roles that people find themselves in, like, I don't know, getting called in the middle of the day when your kid is sick, right? Like those, those schedules and the time blocking don't really account for those. And so there was definitely something missing in the conversation of, you know, even if you find yourself in this default parent role with, you know, as a high achieving woman, like, what does that look like, you know, to do it all without burning out? So what did burnout look like and feel like for you? For me, it's a great question because I think that people sort of want to understand that a lot. And there's two pieces of that. Number one, understanding what burnout looks like. And number two, breaking that up and separating that out from what we sort of normalized in terms of just like working culture, right? Uh, Because I think that we've sort of normalized hustle culture and like hustle until you're a hundred. And so a lot of the the things that people are experiencing with burnout, sometimes I think are sort of normal. For me, it was a lot of like just demotivation to do the things that I really regularly enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. Even like exercising, moving my body. I was like, oh, let's do that again. Like, I don't want to, you know, and like, just even though there are things that I really enjoy not being able to really relax and like stop. Right. I call them the credit rules that people normally experience. Like there's always a to-do list. There's always something that you're like, shoot, I should be doing this. You feel guilty if you're sitting down, you know, like there's always that drive to be moving Uh, difficulty falling asleep again, because of often there's like that to-do list. It's just going through your head when you're trying to relax or when you've woken up in the middle of the night, you know, those kind of experiences. And also the biggest, and this is a question that I get a lot, especially for people who are parents or like, how do I know this is different than just, you know, like normal sleep deprivation as a parent. It's like that tired where like nothing really seems to fix it, right? If you're sleep deprived within the first year of your kid's life or something like that, if somebody was like, hey, I got your kid for two days, go sleep. At a certain point, you'd feel more rested right? The burnout is sort of like, even if you take a nap or even if you do go get a, like, go get a manicure, whatever these like self-care things are, it doesn't seem to really fix the problem, right? It's sort of like putting a bandaid on like a massive, um, yeah. it doesn't exactly, exactly, right. It doesn't really fix the underlying problems. You're not really feeling the benefit of some of those things. Okay. So you were feeling exhausted, but you were also feeling pressure. And when people told you to stop, slow down, take a rest, you know, get help, you would have been like, no, that's not what I need. Right. Or, you know, the questions of, and I hear this so much from my clients also, like, well, how is that going to move me further to- like towards my goals? It's just going to mean it takes me like longer, right? Like all of those kind of like, I can't possibly do that because then how am I going to do everything? Right. And I think that that's mm-hmm. a lot of where people seem stuck is you get this messaging that if you want to do it all, or if you want to achieve your big goals, you have to hustle. So if you're stopping to hustle, you're also stopping to produce. And that might be producing like, 
at a corporate job, or it might be making dinner for your family, right? But it kind of feels like the option for a lot of people is either hustle and be able to show up for people or don't hustle, but also like you're going to have to forego a lot of what you're currently doing. There's a huge sacrifice. Yeah. What, what, what was going on when you're like, oh, this is burnout. This is not just normal early infant tiredness. When were you very clear that this was different than before? It's, you know, it's so funny because I feel like sometimes it's like when you say something to like your partner or a friend and you've, or I mean, my mom says this about me all the time where someone else will say something and I'm like, they said, you know what they said to me? And she's like, I've said that to you 17 times over the last like 12 years, right? You know, like something just sort of clicks and it's sort of just, there's this saying, not that I really, you know, worked or in weight loss as a dietitian, but the saying that if you're trying to lose weight, right? And this is why so many dietitians are anti-fad diets is the way you lose weight is the way you keep it off, right? You want to do keto for it, like to lose weight, you better be prepared to do it for the next 70 years of your life because the way that you build it is the way that it operates, Mm -hmm. right? And all of a sudden it sort of just clicked for me one day. Like you can't operate from a place of complete hustle and burnout and try and get to a life where you get to enjoy and you get to relax and you sort of like, you know, get to actually be present in your life. Right. And so that was kind of the point for me where I was like, if I'm feeling like this, the likelihood is I'm going to feel a life that requires me to continue feeling like this. And I was like, do I, do I want to feel like this in 20 years? Is this really how I want to operate? And I was like, there's a very clear no. And I was like, I have no idea. Like, I have no idea what that means or like how to shift from that, but it was just very clear, like something needed to change. Okay. And then, and then what happened? What? So you kind of self-actualized and been like, oh, this is this lifestyle that I have right now is definitely not sustainable. What did you do? So I got really curious is really the, the answer. Curiosity and and the question why is basically the foundation of everything that I do and everything I support my clients in doing. Because 99% of the time, we do things without actually understanding the reasons why. And so we do things because of one of those three Ps of burnout. And then we wonder why we're running out, right? And so the example that I that I typically give is, you know, especially when I was working in my, like in the nutrition practice is I would ask, you know, parents a lot right? Like mom's a lot that I was working with. Like, why do you make 17 different items for your child to eat if they're not eating the first one? And the answer that I would often get is because like, they just need to eat something like, you know, they, they need food. Like they, of course, like I'm just a mother, I'm concerned about them. It's about them. Right. And if you delve deeper into the why there, normally the real why would be, I'm so insecure about my parenting. And I feel like I've failed on so many fronts today that for the love of God, if my child doesn't eat something that I'm going to feel like even a worse parent. And so I need them to eat something so I can feel good for five seconds, right? It's a very different why. And understanding where one is coming from has us operating in a completely different place, right? Because the problem isn't really whether or not your child eats dinner. It's whether or not you end up feeling like a piece of garbage if they don't. And so really, I just started asking myself the question, why, about almost everything that I was doing. Give me some, give me some examples. So even things as simple as like my own, like how I'm serving dinner, right? I always say like my summer, the summer is my favorite time because I often feed my kids dinner at the park and it's the best and they have a great time. I have a great time because they love playing at the park after school, right? As a very simple example. 
there used to be a part of me that was like the dietitian part of me that was like, but they're not sitting at a table and it's not like a formal dinner and it's not us all sitting around and bonding together. And like, why is that important to me? Not because it really reflects what I want to be doing, but just because of like this pressure of like, this is my degree and this is what I should be doing. So we should do it every night. And that's really like the people pleasing and perfectionism part of me. And like a little bit of the pressure because of that, you know, title that I hold of, of a dietitian, like, oh, I should do this very well, right? If I'm really looking at the values that I have of us all having, you know, fun together and creating core memories for, for my kids and being able to have them be relaxed around food and like know that, you know, it doesn't always have to be like food doesn't have to be so pressureful and summer days can be fun and all of those things. Having dinner at the park is so much more in line with those values. And forcing everybody to come home and sit around a table and it's a beautiful day outside and there's a splash pad and food is so much more in line with like the pressure and perfectionism that I was experiencing. And Mm -hmm. so understanding what some of those whys are, start being able to like dictate some of the actions that we're actually taking that either burn us out or actually just allow us to have more fun in our days. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, there's, there's always a root right? What's the surface symptom here? But what is really like the deep down roots of this? And it normally has nothing to do with our solution. Yeah. So I'm sure the kids loved dinner in the park. It's their favorite. Yep. <laughs> Which makes you love dinner in the park because A, yep. they're eating, B, they're outside. Three, the cleanup is just so easy. And it just made, took a lot of pressure off of you yep. of, well, now I need to figure out what I'm going to feed them every day. Okay. Right. So that's like so much more in line with how I would actually want to be showing up, except that it gets confounded. And for this is you know true whether it's dinner or like what job sometimes women are are like finding themselves in, where you have these voices in your head being like, but that's not the right way. Are you supposed to be doing that? Are you sure that you're what would someone like what would so and so think if they saw you? What would your mother think if they saw if she saw you? Right. All of these voices end up being the ones who are running the show instead of us actually being able to start paying conscious attention to like what voice do I actually want to be listening to? All right. So have you named the voice in your head that is that you want to zip it? And then what's the other voice that you're like, I want to listen to you more. So it's a great question. Cause one of the things that I ask my, my clients a lot is like, whose voice are you hearing? Because I think, again, especially for women, especially for women who are mothers, but really like I call it the working mom hustle culture. And I firmly believe that most like that women are socialized into caregiving roles, like into a maternal role, whether or not you're someone who is actually physically responsible for like, you know, little humans. And so this is not something that is unique to only people who are like actually, you know, like identify as a mother. But one of the biggest problems in, in what I call the working mom hustle culture which the way that I describe it is, you know, the hustle culture that is like, if you're not killing yourself as a mom every day, like if you're not an exhausted puddle at the end of the day, you're not a good mom. And also hustle culture that says we have to be working a hundred hour weeks. We have to, if we're building a business, it's a 24, eight job, right? All of those things. And so women are caught between these two different places is very often there's multiple voices swirling around in their heads. There's Mm -hmm. A lot of, especially if you're in someone who's like in a corporate role, there's a lot of maybe like old white dudes who had a wife at home. And like, so someone else was taking, who are saying the things like, I don't know, I worked 120 hour weeks, right? Like, what's the problem? And <laughs> I then, did it, you should do it, yeah. Exactly, right? And so during the day, you're sort of hearing that voice 
And we have previous generations where there was a lot more of people who, you know, women had a chicken on the table every day at 530. So like, you know, come, come hell or high water. And so we're hearing a lot of these conflicting voices. And so even being able to parse out that sort of internal confusion of like, I'm supposed to be working hundred hour weeks right now. I'm also supposed to look like I haven't had any kids. I'm also supposed to be having a chicken on the table right now. And also my dining room table is full of stuff and I'm supposed to be cleaning that up, right? All of these different expectations, being able to even identify those voices can be really helpful, right? Because sometimes it's, again, like some dietitian on social media, or it's your boss who's 70 and like had a nanny and a wife taking care of everything, or it's someone who is a stay-at-home mom, or it's like all of these voices that are sort of telling you to do things that don't really fit with your picture. So who were the voices for you? I had a lot of voices actually. <laughs> um, and it's you funny. have a whole chorus. <laughs> no, but like, it's funny because I would have my mom's voice and like a lot of, a lot of the things that like, even I, you know, I, we, she and I have spoken about this, like certain things where I'm like, yeah, I totally felt the pressure like from you to do X, Y, and Z. And she's like, I never even like said that to you. And I would tell you to do the opposite. And I'm like, yeah, but it's what I saw you do. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes we think like, I shouldn't have that voice or like, no, my parents never pressured me into, I don't know, like having a certain number of kids or like having a certain job or a certain level of like house or like whatever. But what we see, we end up wanting to emulate, whether it's from like people on social media or parents or bosses, when we haven't really decided on purpose what the right way for us to live is and like right way in quotation marks, because that is the like the entirety of the work that I do with people is deciding on purpose how you want to live our, you know, live your life. Our brains are really, really good at searching for, for like definitive definitions. So when our boss, we like see a way that they're operating, we're like, that one is right right? Or we see someone on social media and we're like, that's the way I'm supposed to be momming. Like cutting the crust off every sandwich is being a good mom, right? Or you you remember what you've seen growing up and your brain just catches on to these things as like, that's the absolute way that we should be operating because we've never really decided on purpose, right? And so a lot of the voices that were in my head are kind of just like the people that I saw on social media, when I was building my business, it was like other online entrepreneurs. And I was like, they seem to be doing this thing. I guess I should do that also. Right. <laughs> and so it wasn't necessarily things that people, and obviously people have parent for like parental figures, bosses, people who say things to them directly. It wasn't even necessarily anyone that I heard like say, Hey, this is how you're supposed to do things. It was just sort it was, of, it was hey, reading in, in between the lines of exactly. all the things you were consuming. Yeah, that I kind of just picked up as like, this is the way that we're supposed to all be operating, do this accordingly. And then you yourself just started shitting on yourself versus actually somebody else telling you, oh, Ahuva, you should do this and you should do it that way. You were then the one being, I should, I should, I should, I should, just based yeah. on absorbing subliminally the messages in the media. Yeah, 100%. I had a very, very clear things that I should be doing. So how did you, how did you turn that off? How did you turn off the voices and start listening to yourself? It was really getting curious about why I was doing them because sometimes the answers, when you actually say them out loud, sometimes you almost want to laugh at yourself. You're like, this is the most, I'm letting this dictate. And sometimes it would be things like, you know, on some of those days where your kids have thrown every single toy on the floor and like, you know, just everything is crazy. And I'm like, I don't feel like cleaning this up right now. And sometimes it was like, why should I be cleaning it up? Because if like 
my mom knew that there was toys on the floor, she might judge me for it. And I'm like, she doesn't live here. Like she won't know. She literally is. My walls are not see-through. Yeah. Right? She's literally out of the country at the moment. And has no way of knowing <laughs> what the state of my kitchen looks like right now. Yes. But somehow telepathically, she's gonna know. <laughs> right? But it isn't like sometimes you say those things out loud and you're like, I this, I am a grown woman with a master's degree in a business and three kids and a more, and I'm letting this thought dictate how I'm operating. And so even bringing those to the conscious level, like when they're subconscious and we don't really recognize them, we just think that that's our preference, right? I, I talked to so many women and I was just talking about this with a friend actually about women who are like, no, I want to do the laundry and fold it and put it away every single day. And I want to do this. And we sometimes confuse things that we want with things that we think that we should want. I should want to do this because that's what a good wife does. And I, if I want to identify as a good wife, then I should be doing that, Right. And some of those things, like I should clean up the toys every single day. Do I really want to, or is it just something I think that I should want to? And so bringing some of those thoughts just to the conscious mind so that we can start to unpack them. Like we can see if we want to, if we, where number one, where they come from. And number two, if they're things that we actually want to be making decisions from and keeping as our sort of decision-making framework. Yeah. Because truthfully, you know, no, you want a clean house. You don't want to have to pick up toys every day. Like there's a very, very clear difference. And it's like, well, how could I have a clean house without me picking up the toys every day? And that's the gap that I think a lot of people fall into is they think that they, they want to clean, clean up the house every single day. No, they actually want to have a clean environment so they can think clearly, but how they get there is on this loop and this repeat and this conditioning of this is the only way to get it done. And the thing is, I think that it also, it, it limits us so much in what's possible, right? Mm-hmm. Because very often we just like, we like tunnel straight along into, I need to do this and it has to be this, right? Like I need to, I need to like get this kind of job and I need to get the promotion and I need to get like all this, you know, very clear path. And we stay very attached to the thing when we actually haven't asked the question why. And the example that I often give is, you know, I'm a runner. I love running, but if you ask me running, I enjoy running. I would be like, okay, well, if I love running and it helps me clear my head and it like makes my body feel good and all of those things, I have to run. I've also, as I said, like carried twins, right? Had a high risk pregnancy. I've been postpartum. I had a, like I was pregnant and had a newborn during COVID when it wasn't exactly accessible to just like leave your house and stuff like that. And so running wasn't always something that was accessible to me. And so if we just stay stuck on the, like, I have to do the thing, we either stress ourselves out like crazy, or we just give up totally because you just can't access that thing. And when you start asking the question, why, like I said, running makes me feel good. makes my body feel strong. It's a chance to clear my head. It's a chance to get outside. It's a chance to, you know, do lots of things. It starts opening the question of, okay, how else could I do that? What else is available to me to do that? During COVID, I used to take my twins to like walk up and down a ski hill that's in our area right? Just like play on a hill and walk on a hill because that was also fun and allowed me to do that. And so we sometimes stay so stuck in like it is a clean house and it means cleaning out the toys every single day. Instead of saying, why is that important to me? Right? Why do I want to do that in the first place? Because that's the only thing that actually opens up some of that creativity and that curiosity for, okay, how do I still make that happen no matter what else is going on? So how long did it take you to go from realizing that you were heading down a path of burnout and being in burnout to 
you know, starting asking yourself some of those questions and then digging yourself out of the burnout hole. It was definitely a couple of months to start like seeing sort of the, the like difference in myself and how I was feeling. Um, you know, even now, like the program that I'm, that I'm running that I like run for women is three months for a reason, because it's not sort of, you know, the, the easiest way to do it and stay stuck in burnout is to perfectionism your way through it and be like, I'm going to do this by tomorrow. Like I'm going to, you know, by tomorrow, I'm going to be totally not burnt out anymore. And I'm going to be the best self like exploration person ever. Right. And then we just sort of perpetuate the, the cycle. And so really it is, you know, about like gently starting to use these tools, gently starting to introduce some of that curiosity. And so a lot of the, even the clients that I'm working with now are, you know, see some differences within a week or two weeks, but as things come up and it's sort of like peeling away layers of the onion, right? It's sometimes like, okay, I can get myself to a place where when things are calm and life is excellent and, you know, everyone is happy and no one is throwing a tantrum, then I'm not burned out, right? Because sometimes we're burnt out even on those like, you know, we feel still feel burned out even in those good times, but we need to also develop the skills for when inevitably everyone's throwing a tantrum and nobody's happy with what you're doing. And, you know, like things just are going totally off the rails. So it took me definitely, you know, a like month or two to start really being able to be like, okay, even when everyone else is at a 10, because sometimes kids are kids, you know, I cannot feel like I'm totally up to my forehead all the time. It's definitely a full season, isn't it? Of going through the different layers and pulling back and asking questions. And, and yeah, you're right. It's not like, Oh, I I'm burnt out. I'm going to go sleep and I'll be better tomorrow. And we know that that is not, not the solution for this one. There's got to be some serious structural changes and some fundamentals and foundational work. As you said, you know, because how you're living is how you'll continue to live. Yeah. If you don't, put the, the, the new systems in place. So, you know, something that I always love to ask people is, you know, the big now what question. So how did you go from just getting yourself out of burnout to deciding that, Hey, I want to help other people because you had a thriving, wonderful, amazing, you know, pediatric nutrition business to completely shift gear and then get a whole new, you know, business going, I would imagine is, you know, a loss and probably counter counterintuitive to your recovering burnout self. (laughs) What made you do decide to do that? You know what? Really? It was understanding that the questions that I was asking or that I was answering in those nutrition sessions were really just a symptom of a larger problem, right? Like that sort of, and obviously, you know, I still work with pediatric clients who have very, have specific like picky eating or sensory challenges and things like that, where there is for sure that component, but the question of like, am I doing this right? Or am I screwing it all up? Right. Please, for the love of God, give me a gold star because I don't think like that that I can get, I feel like I'm just failing on so many fronts that, you know, I just need for someone else to tell me that I'm like, not totally horrible. Right. All of those fears and those questions that I was hearing during those sessions, I was like, this is just one area of life where I know that the women that I'm working with are experiencing this. And so this, you know, this piece of the the burnout and all of how we're approaching uh, life generally really kind of felt like the bigger answer to even a lot of the the nutrition questions that I was getting. And so I kind of just, I'm like not one of those people, even, you know, when I was 
when I was found out that I was pregnant. Right. And we like, didn't tell people until like the second trimester. And my husband's like, I don't even understand how you're keeping a secret because you're the worst secret keeper of life. And I'm like, once I know something, once I have something to help people, like I'm the person who I'm like, I have my cookie recipe. Like you take it. It's the best cookie recipe ever. Right. You're not going to be able to shut up about it because you love something. Yeah, exactly. So once I kind of, I started finding something that worked for me and was just kind of like on my, on the phone with my friends being like, you know what I'm doing and here, like, here's this strategy. And it was just not like, I'm sure it got to like an obnoxious way, but like, you know, just like, Hey, this really worked for me. And I was like, I can't not tell other people that this is working also. And it kind of just snowballed from there. It grew organically as they like to say, as they say. (laughs) Awesome. All right. So how are you feeling now? How's life on the other side of burnout? You know what I like to say to people is that it kind of looks the same as my life before burnout, because the things that I'm doing are not very different. And I think that's one of the biggest fears that a lot of people have again is like, do I just need to book a one-way ticket to like Bermuda and never like, you know, tell my, my parents I got lost in the Bermuda triangle. Like just, you know, do I have to just never see my family again? Do I have to leave my job? Do I have to not do all the things? And do I literally need to change my entire world, flip it upside down in its head and change my existence? Totally. And I think that's a totally legitimate fear right? Because that for me would not be possible as the default parent to three little kids. And so my life, like if you looked at it just in a snapshot, I'm still like wiping butts and making lunches, right? And like building a business also. And so it doesn't have to be this massive 180 shift. It's just my experience with with things is wholly different in that the reasons that I'm doing certain things or not doing certain things is wholly different, right? Being able to check back into myself and sometimes like call myself on like, nope, you totally just want to make that decision because, you know, you think so-and-so is going to judge you and do you really want to do that or not? And then sometimes still doing it and then just not shaming myself for it, right? Just being like, whatever, I wanted to like, you know, like I want, I wanted to and that's fine, right? So it's really just about building a life where you get to on purpose, decide what the things are that you're doing without having to have that sort of like wagging finger over your shoulder that really is burning so many of us out and doesn't even really belong to anyone in particular. So it kind of looks a lot the same and feels 180 of a difference. Would you say that, you know, based on the fact that you say my life still looks very much the same as before, that burnout is majority, maybe, you know, over 50%, 60, whatever number you want to put on it, a mind game and mindset versus the actual physical actions of doing the things. I think that there are definite, the things matter for Mm -hmm. sure. And I think that so much more of it is that, like that pressure, that socialization, that sort of like, you know, everyone and their mother, even though they're halfway across the world is going to be judging me fear that we're mentally absorbing, right? For every action that you're taking, imagine for every action that you're taking, you had to call up 12 different people and crowdsource and get their opinions and, and you know, think about it and then make an, like a total informed decision at the end of it. And it's about whether or not you're feeding your kids cereal or pancakes for breakfast. But that is actually what we're doing. Like when people are like, I'm so exhausted at the end of the day. I'm like, yeah, because mentally you checked in with 12 different people and you crowdsourced and you justified and you pleaded your case and you, you know, you in front of a judge just to decide that you could give your kids cereal for breakfast. 
And so for sure, there is a component of the actual things that we're doing. And a lot more of it is the stress and the pressure that we're putting on ourselves for every single individual thing that we're doing. That sounds exhausting to to have like 17 conversations and get everybody's buy-in and all the things before you, you, you do anything versus just going and doing it. And, like, and that's what I'm thinking is majority of the exhaustion actually isn't from physically doing whatever it is that you need to do. It's the mind roller coaster and hula hoops and justification and pleading your case and all the, the mind work that we go, that we do before we do it, which is actually where most of the burnout lives. And then the, the self-doubt anyway, after the fact, after you've already, you know, consulted. And then criticizing yourself and being like, oh, I should have done this. So it's like the mind work before doing it. And then the critique and the comparison and all of the, oh, did I do it right? All the things, even afterwards. It's the sandwich. It's the, the carbs on either side of that decision in the middle totally. that is really like the heavy weight. Absolutely. All right. So- if you were to give a few tips to anyone out there who is experiencing the mental load of burnout and helping them kind of get rid of those two slices of bread on either side of the meat that is actually fueling them, what would be your three tips? Three tips are number one, like start practicing that question. Why? Right. Without wanting to change anything, just asking the question, you're like, why am I doing any of these things that I'm doing? I call it my what, why, what strategy, which is look at the things you're doing. Like, what are you actually doing in a day? Right. Start asking the question why. And then similar to the example that I gave, you know, with the picky eating, if your brain wants to be like, I'm just a selfless parent. So I'm making 12 different dishes asking yourself like, but if there's a truer answer to that, what would it actually look like? And if we're having some trouble actually answering that question, start asking, you know, like, what am I getting out of this thing? Sometimes I hear from parents, they're like, I don't know, like I'm scrolling social media to like 3 a.m., even though I should go to bed at 10. Like I can't seem to get myself there. Right. And the question of, well, what are you getting out of that can be really important. Like I'm getting some alone time. I'm getting some to see some adult faces. Like I used to love social media during COVID when I couldn't see any adults. And I was like, but I can see you from my screen. Right. We're always getting things from something and starting to get really just aware of what some of those driving forces are. So number one, number two is just recognizing that your brain is going to want to probably go into perfectionism about this and it doesn't have to happen overnight. I like to call things my smallest, picking something that's your smallest achievable goal. If you're listening to this episode and you're like, this is me and I want to change it tomorrow. Okay. What's one tiny thing we can do tomorrow, right? Like is asking the question, why something we can start with? Because if you're like me or any of my clients, you're like, this is fantastic. I'm going to solve this in an hour. And then we're going to be back to like totally functioning. Right. And so what's the smallest achievable goal that we can start setting. And the third is just starting to practice honesty with some safe people, because I think sometimes we all keep ourselves really stuck together, like as a society, almost in these perfectionism, the, the people pleasing, because no one kind of wants to go first and be like, hey, this is really hard. Hey, I'm like struggling here. Or hey, do we really need to send bento box style lunches for school? Or can we all just pack a cream cheese sandwich, right? Like those those questions. And so starting to practice like some honesty with some of the, the 
close friends, people that you trust to not be like, what do you mean? I'm having an easy time, right? Because I think that one of the biggest fears that people have is that if you open up about any of these things, you're going to be judged and they're going to be like, well, I guess you just can't hack it. Like you're just a terrible human. And the reality is that most of the time you're actually going to be met with, oh my God, thank God you also, right? Like I totally feel this, thank God you do too. And so finding those people, again, like whether that's working with, with a coach or whether that's just calling up girlfriends yeah, yeah, to be able to be like, does this happen for you also can be really powerful. Love it. Love it. Wow. We, we unpacked a lot, but I'm looking at the clock now and I'm like, how is it already like the end (laughs) of the hour? We just scratched the surface. And that's to me is like the true truth about burnout is that it is not a surface level topic. There is a lot of layers to burnout and there's a lot of things to investigate and look at. And from all the different angles and sides, which yeah. sounds also exhausting for somebody to tackle their burnout. Yeah. But as we kind of said at the beginning is like, if you don't, you're just going to be keep running on that same treadmill going at full speed and getting nowhere. So taking the time to step off and rework the machine and pull it apart and put it back together. So you can actually function feels exhausting, but it's the work that's necessary to help you get to where you want to go. Yeah, absolutely. So where do you like to hang out? Where can people find you on the wonderful world of social? So I hang out lots on Instagram. My handle is Ahuva Hirschkop and I run a free community on Facebook called Beyond Burnout with Ahuva Hirschkop. Excellent. Excellent. We'll make sure to put that in the show notes. Thank you so much, Darlay. This has been such a great conversation. And hey, if you are a patron, come hang out with us over at patreon.com because Hova and I are going to have a little bit of a bonus conversation. And I am going to ask her a question that is likely very challenging for those in the burnout space. And that is how do you ask for help? So if you want the answer to that, come hang out with us over there at patreon.com backslash I just blank now what? And if this episode resonated with you, please give it a like, a share. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe. Or if you know somebody who is experiencing something similar, please, please, please share this episode with them because it just may help them figure out their very own now what? All right, that's it for us this week. And we will be back next week for another Now What Wednesday. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I Just Blank Now What? If you did, be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I do love reading them. And if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar, please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own now what questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do, how to move forward and help you answer now what. See you on the next episode.